Hello, my name is Shireen Jordan and welcome to Tea and Tonic. This podcast is about giving my guests from all different creative industries the chance to tell us about how they got to where they are today. Well, we both sip a tea or perhaps something a bit stronger with a tonic. It's a chance for those affected by the impact of lockdown, the opportunity to chat because talking is, as the saying goes, just the tonic. I hope you enjoy it with a beverage in hand. It's Wednesday, October the 14th, 2020, and my guest today is actor, director, choreographer, producer, and one half of Clever Little Films UK, Dawn Buckland from London. Dawn's love for the arts began at a young age when she learnt to ice skate and went to Sylvia Young Theatre School aged 12. At 16, she got her first professional full-time job in Starlight Express in the West End, which she spent a decade in. That was followed by roles in Pippin, South Pacific, A Tour of Fame, then in the West End for two years in Billy Elliot, Mamma Mia, where she understudied all three leads, movies Beauty and the Beast and Mamma Mia 2, and last autumn, the tour and London production of Nativity the Musical. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Dawn Buckland. Hello! Hello, you all right? Good, thank you. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Yeah, good. Good. Right, Dawn, it's the morning. So what beverage have you got? I've got a very large cup of tea. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, I've also got a very large owl mug <laughs> of... Uh, it's green tea with coconut and mango. So cheers. Cheers. Mm. Um, Dawn, before we get to 2020 and where you are now you've done so many things and been in the industry for such a long time and I say that with admiration because you do so many different things did you know when you were at school that you wanted to diversify because you ended up going to Sylvia Young Theatre School didn't you? I did yeah yeah I loved my time there it was um best days of my life amazing amazing school was it how I imagine it to be everybody very theatrical and loving to dance in your break time and um <laughs> put on plays at the weekends was it like that or am I being very very stereotypical you know what to a degree it was a bit like that we were all a little extrovert um but but you know what what the great thing is about Sylvia Youngs is that she um she really loves kind of real kids so so even though we all had this you know these talents and we could sing and dance and all the rest of it and there was a bit of the fame element of it um the kids from fame um to it to our school days we were just normal kids really and just just all shared you know just all shared a passion I think that's why I fitted in so well because there was like-minded people you went when you were 12 did you say to your parents, oh, you know, I need to be doing this um, at school as well? How, how did that come about, you going? Um, well, actually, I started off ice skating, which is random. Um, and I ice skated all through my childhood years as soon as I could walk because my mum oh. ice skated. So it was kind of like that's something we just did as a family. It was a hobby. Um, my, um, and I did quite well. And my um, coach said to me, I think you need to go and get some dance lessons. And I was about eight just to help with your line and your posture and, and uh, the performance side. Um, so I found a local dance school um, near me called Penny Farthings, which is still to this day, I'm, I'm friends with, the, with my teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a massive inspiration for me growing up. Um, and and I and I just loved it. And soon I kind of looked back, and, and dance was kind of taking over my ice skating um, c- 
kind of career that I was kind of forging. So I said to my mum, oh, you know, I really, I think I really want to dance rather than ice skate. So I promptly dropped the ice skating um, and, and started dancing kind of three nights a week. Um, and then it was actually on a holiday in, um, in the Isle of Wight. Um, I took my tap shoes with me <laughs> because I heard there was a little talent contest happening. And um, someone approached me after the contest and said, you know, your daughter's really good. Approached my parents and, um, would, you know, what do you think about sending her to theatre school, to a young theatre school? We go every Saturday from the Isle of Wight. They commuted every Saturday from the Isle of Wight wow. to just go to the Saturday school. So we looked into it and, and soon enough I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. And we went, I went on a Saturday and then I was approached actually by Sylvia herself who said, look, you know, you're great. Would you consider coming to the full-time school? And, and I wasn't particularly happy in mainstream school. I, I was kind of bullied because I danced and, um, oh. you know, would do local pantos and things like that. So I was kind of, I felt always felt like a little bit of a misfit. Um, mm. And then, um, so my mum and dad kind of clawed together, you know, working class family, clawed together the funds because um, I was not able to get a scholarship at the time um, and, and, and sent me. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for that day. Um, it's, it's, you know, made me the performer that I, that I am now, I think. That is so lovely to hear. Was going from ice skating to dancing actually quite an easy transition? Because any time I see any kind of ice skaters, I just think... That is a disaster waiting to happen. Um, it looks so difficult. So did you find then, you know, dancing just on your two feet rather than these blades a lot easier? Uh, yeah, I think we all will have a natural ability to dance, even if you're kind of mum dancing in, in the shower, you know. Um, so I think, I think, yes, it was. And I just always had a theatrical flair about me. So, so to kind of put that into to dance was was quite an easy transition for me uh, I think that was all part of ice dancing as well you know it is dancing on ice as they say um so yeah it was it was it was an easy transition so you left Sylvia's age 16 and yes. and then what happened because actually what happened to you was it probably wouldn't happen nowadays quite unusual yeah um I, I left, um, was kind of, I don't know, 15 and three quarters or whatever you are when you leave. Um, and my plan was to go on to um, maybe a dance college because dance was always my first love. Um, and I did, I did, that was the plan. And I kind of had, had thought maybe the London Studio Centre, which was a really dance-based college, would be good for me. Um, and then I started to see, opening up the pages of the stage and seeing, oh my God, I could actually do this and, and earn money from it. This is incredible. Um, so I, I, I said to my agent at the time, which was Sylvia Young's, because they represent people um, that are, that are in, the, in the school. Um, and I said, look, I'd like to be considered for some of these jobs. And, you know, it was it was different back then. You could kind of step in straight from you didn't have to go on to further education. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, you know what? in for a penny and for a pound let's go and audition um and I auditioned for two big shows which was 42nd Street on tour and Starlight Express at the Apollo Victoria Theatre um and I by some miraculous um god-like something I don't know I got both I was offered both oh jobs gosh. I know it was it was kind of ridiculous but it, brilliant um and I chose to do Starlight just because it was 20 minutes down the road from my mum's. <laughs> so it was literally like, you know, that was, so th there I was, I was there putting on a pair of roller skates, um, kicking a leg in, you know, 
in Starlight Express in the West End. Oh my goodness. Age 16 at this point. Yeah, I, I, took, I got the job when I was 16 and I started a couple of months before my 17th birthday. Um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. I had money and oh, it was brilliant. It was 17-year-old's dream. <laughs> uh, yeah, and did you feel, you know, that, that school had prepared you well for then performing in a professional capacity? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, the good thing about Sylvia Young Theatre School is that they, they, they did, they um, encouraged kids to work um, throughout their school time. So, so you would find yourself going into school one day and they go, oh, Dawn, you're coming out this afternoon because you've got an audition for a TV commercial or for a, a, a small spot on EastEnders. Or, so, so I was really lucky that I was in that environment. So I felt like I... I could really absorb myself in the industry even before I'd kind of come out into kind of legit working land, you know? Um, so yeah, I felt really prepared. That is amazing to be in such a massive show still when you're a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite mind blowing. I think at the time I didn't really, I didn't really give it the credit it was due, but looking back, that was massive. Mm. And was it a wonderful experience because you ended up, being in it for a decade didn't you I, I did man and boy um yes I, I ended up doing it for almost 10 years um the the amazing thing about starlight it was that it it, it never two shows were never the same um you know we were we were always we were quite a diverse cast and um we switched in and out of roles um I I my first job on it when I got it at 17 was um 1617 was as a swing mm -hmm. and a swing basically has to cover multiple multiple roles so um it was a really good training ground because it, it pardon the pun um it was a it was really good for me because it, it it kept me on my toes it kept my brain fresh and then as I went in kind of through the process of being in Starlight you know, I would get an extra cover or I would get to, you know, to look into another role or um, for one year I played the role of Ashley, but I was still covering Pearl and Dinah, which were two kind of more principal roles in the show. So it, it, it never felt stale to me. It always felt, it always felt fresh. It attracted such brilliant people. We were like a sports team, I think, you know, the, the camaraderie because, you know, you're on eight wheels um, you have to look after each other so I think it gave me the best grounding to to then go into the industry so it was like serving a 10-year apprenticeship if you like you know it gave me my base of what has, has led me into the longevity of my career I think. Well I remember Starlight being you know in the West End for such a long time as you were in it for and I remember my brother when he was at school one of his school trips was to see Starlight in the West End and I was so envious because it was, you know, they're on skates. Wow, what is that? You know, and um, I did get to see it years later when it came down south, but yeah. you know, never in the West End. And I always remember hearing fabulous things about it there and being very envious. Very, very special show. And we'll always have a, a massive place in my heart. And I've got lifelong friends from that job you know we've all known each other for 30 odd years and it's um it's brilliant we're like a, we're like a family we're literally like a family that is so lovely to hear and I'm guessing that with your background in ice skating going then on to, to eight wheels probably wasn't that hard for you 
Um, it, it's funny because, I mean, and I roller skated as a kid as well. You know, like you do, just like strap those ones to your trainers and off you go. So, um, but yeah, randomly I skated and, and apart from your basic balance and being on a foreign, <laughs> or not on your feet, um, is kind of the basics of it. But but they're actually two really different, quite different crafts. Um, ice skating is actually... I'm going to say this and probably get some backlash, but it's much less effort. And roller skating, you really have to dig into the floor. You really have to, um, you, you really have to be mindful of of, of pushing through, pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. And ice skating, you glide much much gentler. And and uh, so there's a, there was a couple of occasions when friends would say, "Oh, come ice skating," you know, whilst I was doing starlight, and I'd get on my ice skates and I'd be like Bambi <laughs> because I, because I was so used to like having to push really hard and actually on ice skates you can you can be a little gentler with your body (laughs) and dawn did you have to be very careful with your body during that time you know do you get told by your bosses you know no skiing in 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 the holidays and things because you've got to protect yourself for the performance yeah there was like amendments in our contracts to say you know no skiing nothing no bungee jumping and stuff like that um, so anything that could put you in ultimate, ultimately in danger. I mean, the job was kind of dangerous enough, really. We we encountered many a crashes and you know, people falling and stuff, which I was I was part of many of them. Um, but but yeah, I think it, it was it was just such a wonderful show, and we had such a brilliant time. That it, I, and at the time, you're so young and so resilient that I didn't even really I didn't even really think about it. It was my job, and I loved it, and I loved the people, and that's that was like it was the best life ever I lived my best life it just sounds glorious and I think you're the first person I've met that's been in a show for 10 years you know I've met people who've been in shows for five but I don't think um you know one consistent show for a 10-year block is quite incredible but I love hearing when um guests say oh we're still friends to this day and you know it's like a family that's the term used so often and I I love that I'm not sure that there is actually any other industry where you build up such a camaraderie with the people you work with like the arts yeah it's true I think you you have to create trust and friendships real quick in the industry I mean there's no other industry where you would kind of walk into the room on the first day of rehearsals or the first day of work and then say okay you're going to be playing lovers in this so you better start getting you know you better start getting uh, friendly um you know you might have to snog this person's face off shortly so you but you best get on with each other so you know you do you do you form bonds very very quickly um and and some of them and like in in all walks of life some friendships lost and some and some you kind of see occasionally and they become acquaintances but i i can with my hand on my heart, I have more friends from Starlight than probably all the other true, true friends than all my other probably jobs put together. That's amazing. That is amazing. So when you came out of Starlight, you know, you were about 27. Yeah. Still a a babe in arms. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What was your plan next? Um, my pl- I mean, I, I kind of, I left Starlight because I just thought, you know what, I really should do something else. And it wasn't because I kind of wanted, wanted to leave. I just thought that I should. Um, and actually it was a really, it was a really good thing for me because, um, I, I went straight into a show called Pippin, which they did at the Bridewell Theatre. They're doing a production of it recently, mm-hmm. um, at the Eagle Theatre in London, which is brilliant an outdoor, a socially distanced production and I went to see it and it brought back so many lovely memories of doing that show 
Um, so yes, I went off and did Pippin, which was great. Um, and then I, I did another couple of little jobs and bits and pieces in between. And, and then I went off to um, do South Pacific um, in Sheffield for um, Peter Darling, who was brilliant choreographer, Billy Elliot, Matilda, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, wonderful man. Um, and, and he said, oh, you know, do you want to come and do this uh, job at the Crucible? And that's where I met my husband. <laughs> This is Mark, who you have a business with now. I do, yes. Business in life, business in love, business in ch- children. You know, it's uh, just, uh, yeah, we're, we're a good team. So that, I guess, was all meant to be, you know, you going on and, and doing other things. Yeah, definitely. And did you feel that you wanted to flex some other creative muscles like the acting at this point as well? Yeah, I think so. I think I was ready to for some new projects, some new input, and um, and so it was it was great. Even though I think still, even you know, even though I sung, danced, act, I think dance was all has always kind of been the common thread for me um, throughout throughout my career. Um, physical theatre and, and dance, I think, has all, always played a massive part. Um, but yes, yeah, so I wanted to work with other choreographers. I wanted to experience some other things, and and that came along at the right time because I'm. Still with, still with my husband. Um, and so, Dawn, I know that, you know, you got married and, mm-hmm. you know, things had to change a bit. You had, you know, your, your baby. Was it a conscious decision to take a pause? And I guess you and Mark, you were both balancing your careers and parenthood and marriage, weren't you? Yeah, we were. Um, when we got married, we were both we were both doing a show called La Carver, um, which was a, a wonderful show in the West End, brand new, and it was produced by the James Bond people. It was it was a, a brilliant job. Again, lifelong friends from that from that job. Um, and so we got married during that time. Um, and then I went off to do another show called Peggy Sue Got Married, um, which was at the Plymouth Theatre. And then that transferred into London. Um, so we, we both worked um, because we, it was just us two and we could kind of jaunt off and do kind of whatever we wanted in that time. Um, and then we did start, friends around us started having babies. Our kind of peer group were starting to have children. And we thought, oh, my goodness, you know, maybe we should maybe we should get on this. Maybe we have to start getting on this uh, this children malarkeys. Um, and so we, we decided to start trying and we, we fell pregnant really, really quickly. Um, and, but, you know, and it was brilliant. So yes, I did, I did take a conscious pause. I, I, um, I worked for an agent um, for a little bit, kind of putting people up while I was pregnant. I was working as, as an agent um, looking after dancers. And my husband was in Joseph and the Technical Dream Co in town. So he was just about to start that. And then, uh, yeah, then Lily came along in 2007. Um, and, you know, and then, then the juggling really started. You know, that's, that's when we really had to start going, okay, you can do a contract for, for a year, but I'm getting really bored now. So it's my turn to go and do a contract. And it was just the way we decided to parent. You know, we, we, I mean, lots of people in our industry rely on nannies and family and, and, and I've got great, great family. And, they, you know, they were always there to kind of pick up the bits that we maybe couldn't if there was a crossover in our jobs or whatever. They were amazing. But we made a, quite a conscious effort, I think, to a conscious decision rather to um, to keep our careers and parenthood, you know, to work alongside each other and make sure that one of us was at home. And I think that's where the kind of more freelancing for me started, where I kind of started thought, well, I need to 
look into other things while I'm not in a show. I need to look at other stuff. Did you feel quite quite happy to do that? Because it sounds like there was a lot of give and take. And mm. I always wonder what it's like if you have to turn down a job. Yeah, it yeah, it does it does happen and did happen and and has happened since as well. You know, our daughter's 13 now, but still she needs, you know, we feel like she needs one of us to be kind of around. So it, we you have to make some decisions that are not easy sometimes. Um but I think you have to kind of look at what the core fundamental um reason for us being here and that was because we had a family and that was that was not Lily's choice to be here that was our choice to have a baby so so we wanted to we wanted to give her as much of us as as we could so yeah it was it was a juggling act and 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 it wasn't always easy but but thankfully Mark and I were both on the same page with that and I think that's that's how comes we've managed to make it work um for us as a family and Dawn, you really have made it work because, you know, the list of things you've done is extensive, extensive. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even, we didn't mention before that you were in Fame, Billy Elliot, Mamma yes. Mia, and this is all after your daughter was born as well. How did they come about? Because again, massive shows in the West End. Yeah. I, I've been so fortunate. Um you know, but hard, worked hard as well. So yeah, but really fortunate to have landed some of those lovely gigs. Um, yeah, Billy Elliot, fantastic show. Was so proud to be part of that. Um, I stayed for two years. Um, I was also a dance captain for a bit for the children. So I looked after the kids on the show, making sure they were all in tip top condition. Also while being a mom, juggling, you know, work life balance, you know, and sometimes it gets off you know and sometimes you go oh my god I need more family or my god I need more work um so you know it's not always easy but you you make it work because because it's a inherent in us to do this this is what Mark and I feel like we were both put here to do is to entertain and do what we do um but you know also we had to consider that Lily needed a, a stable um strong upbringing and that, that was we just did it our way I suppose and do you remember the first audition you went to after having Lily? And how I, I, really, I, I really do remember that first audition back. Uh, it was, I, I hadn't auditioned for anything for the first year of having Lily. I, I made a conscious effort to, and a conscious decision to say, right, I want to have the first year at least at home um, so that she's got mummy there. And, and my husband was in a show at the time. He was doing Joseph. So, so we were good financially and stuff. So I was able to take that time to be mum. And so that was brilliant. But I do remember my first one back. And, and it was weird because all that I'd known and all that I'd, I'd experienced within the industry, suddenly because I'd had that year out and I was just doing nappies and bottles and breastfeeding and, and, and mumming and puking and all, the, all those lovely things that come with being a mum. I, I sat in the audition room and I looked around me and I just thought, I don't, I don't know this place. I, it was, it was such a, it was the weirdest experience. Um, and also, you know, after childbirth, my voice wasn't partic- didn't particularly want to play. Okay, that's um, interesting. Yeah, so sometimes you can kind of come across stumbling blocks that you didn't even foresee. You know, you 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 think, okay, well, I'll just go back. That's fine. I'll just go back. But your body maybe feels different your voice feels different so you you I had to kind of and that first audition I got which was Billy um 
and uh, and I, I actually turned it down because at the time I just didn't feel like I was I just didn't feel confident enough I didn't feel like I could at that time take on the responsibility of of giving the job my best um, my my hundred percent to that because I was, my my pull was still to be at home. Um, so yeah, I didn't take it the first time around, but thankfully they did. The auditions did come around the following year, <laughs> and and I was in a better place to um, to be able to go. Yes, I'm I'm ready now. So it wasn't I didn't want to be ready. I just I just wasn't. Mm. I just wasn't ready to go back at the time. Um, and and it, it hits people in different ways. As people that have children, and three months later they're back in a show, and and that works. That totally works for them. And but it was it was just my personal journey. I just didn't feel ready and do you remember opening night then of Billy Elliot that first performance I do it was you know what it was so it was so wonderful um I I almost felt like dawn again I know that that sounds like a really bizarre thing to say but and because I was always dawn but I just I had that moment where it was complete kind of freedom I was myself um, yeah, I remember that first walk down at the beginning of the show, which is so strong anyway, and standing with all those other actors on stage. And I remember looking around and just going, yeah, yeah, this is this is it. This is what I meant to do. I'll worry about the nappy bin when I get home. <laughs> you know, yeah. Elliot, it's such a fabulous, fabu- I, I loved it. Yeah. And actually, I, I loved the show more than I loved the film. And I loved the film. But for me, the show, I just... W- was constantly welling up um <laughs> yes. yeah it was a heartbreaking show yeah I had to fight back a few times because I, I I was understudy to the mum um and she has that beautiful letter that she sings in um in during the show with Mrs Wilkinson and um Billy and Lily are extremely close together so um and the direction was to play the scene you know, quite matter of fact, and you reading the letter, it's quite, I, well, I couldn't get past the first line for the, I really had to retrain myself to, you know, having this other brain, other mum brain would really encroach on my work sometimes, you know, Um, so Billy, Lily, oh yeah, that was, that was tough, that was tough some nights to, to fight those tears back and, and be just so about it, Um, but you know what, you, you do it, you do it. Absolutely. And Dawn, Mamma Mia, you went into as well. <laughs> Another massive long running show. Um, uh, was that straight after Billy? Yeah, it was. I literally went straight, straight in. I was still doing the show at night and rehearsing Mamma Mia during the day. So, yeah, so there was no break for me. I literally, I literally went straight in. So going from a really male dominated show where it's minors and police and um, and hollow, to going to this show with glitter boots and um, that celebrated women and, and all that's female um, was just the best. It was just the best experience. Um, and, and it was almost like something that I needed that I didn't know I needed. You know, I needed this this um, strong female environment. Uh, it was so empowering. Um, you know, to put on one of those jumpsuits and the and those platform boots, you know, it sounds really, really um, lame, but it was brilliant. It was just the best. It was the best. Oh, no, it doesn't sound lame at all. And Dawn, <laughs> who did you play in Mamma Mia? Um, I, I was in the ensemble um, and I played the Greek granny, which <laughs> which is 
very, very famous role, integral to the plot. Um, and, um, and I covered the three main women. So I covered Rosie, T- Tanya and Donna, all of which I performed, um, which could be quite tricky sometimes because, because they all do their scenes together most of the time. You're like, oh, you have to really put the hat on to go, right, which character am I? Am I, uh, you, I had to really, really dig deep. Um, and obviously, as you get older, your brain doesn't quite work as quickly as it did when I was covering back, back in my Starlight days where I could just switch it on. I really had to sometimes, you know, really check myself and go, okay, you're on for Rosie tonight. So Rosie, that's the short, funny one. You know, I would really have to like monitor myself. Um, but to play all those women, you know, and, and all those, those different sides of being a woman. Mm. Um, oh, it was just, it was a dream, an absolute dream, dream job for me. And which was your favourite to play, Dawn, out of the three strong leads? Um, definitely Rosie. Uh, I, I really, I really felt a connection to her. She's down to earth. She's, um, you know, she's, she says what she means. Uh, and I, I really just, I really, I fell in love with that character. I love the comedy element of her. I love the, the physical theatre side of her again, which harks back to my dance days where you can tell a story with your body, not necessarily just with your words. Um, so yeah, so she was, that was my that was my little heart place. I loved being, I loved being Rosie. Again, another fabulous show, which I've seen a number of times. And yeah. again, that I enjoyed more than the film. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's something about that live theatre experience. And again, yeah. I was welling up <laughs> all the time in that show. I know. It's one of those, it, it gets you, you're laughing one minute and then sobbing the next. And I think that's all good entertainment has that element. Absolutely. So your career at this point is going brilliantly. Um, <laughs> there is no holding you back. Um, yeah. What happened after Mamma Mia? So after Mamma Mia, because I'd done four years in town. So I'd done two years on Billy Elliot, went straight into Mamma Mia, um, plus being mummy. Because um, even though my husband was at, at home for majority of that time, um, you know, you still, you're, you're, um, my thought process and my and my my allegiance was still towards being a mum first first and foremost so I got to the end of the fourth year and I could feel myself getting really tired um at the end of that um and I just thought you know what I think it's time for me just to have maybe a little bit of time out um so and my husband was had been offered uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in town and he was like I really want to do it so we have to, again, we had to do our, okay, I'm doing a job that I love. I can feel that I'm tired. Yes, it's time to pass the baton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, um, and then Mark went to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and I kicked back and had a little bit of time at home. So, yeah, so we, we passed the baton over. Oh, it sounds like you two have just got this dream <laughs> partnership. Yeah, we try. <laughs> and so when did... The business come about clever little films UK because I know that's something that the two of you you know run together. Yeah. Um, did you think okay, let's create something now for ourselves that that we have ownership of? Yeah, I think it was that, and and you know what I think as performers um, and people in the industry, you're always looking for another little something that you can get your teeth into, another little what if this doesn't happen anymore, you know what else could we do. 
Um, and, you know, we, we kind of tried everything from, you know, maybe opening a school and then we both decided, you know, that wasn't for us. And, um, and my husband's always, he's very techy, you know, he, he's, um, he's really good with editing and sound and photography and camera work and stuff. So it was kind of like a natural thing, really. Um, it didn't come about straight away. I had, I left my mirror and, and decided to hang up my point shoes, my, my glitter boots for a bit and, and thought that I actually wanted a bit of time away from, from performing um, and, and wanted to concentrate more on doing some choreography and, um, and some kind of other creative sides of the industry. Cause I'd had little snippets of it as I'd gone along, I'd choreographed a, a show at the Savoy theater Pirates of Penzance and Peter Pan they were in rep together so I'd had that little bit of experience there and I choreographed a couple of pantomimes and so I thought that this would be maybe a right time um because I think you you do get to a point um I think especially for women where you kind of drop out of that um the juvenile lead thing which I you know that I'd kind of trickled through that I'd managed to get through my kind of 30s and stuff doing Billy Elliot Mamma Mia and, and, I, and I've always I've always been quite young spirited. So the mum and the teachery kind of roles were were not really coming my way um, because they was like, oh, you seem too young. You seem too young. You seem too young. And I'm like, I'm 40, you know, I'm 40 something. And surely this is I'm not too young, I'm not too young. So it was a bit of a frustrating time. So I thought maybe this is the time to duck out for a little bit and focus on some other things. And 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 and. Clever Little Films was was born kind of through that. Um, we started just doing messing around with the camera, doing some sketch shows and doing some bits and pieces. And and before we knew it, we had a couple of little little short films um, that we entered into some of the festivals, and they they did quite well and got a little bit of a little bit of recognition. So we was like, you know, maybe this is something that we can do together. You know, when we have the time and the and the finances to 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 keep our brains fresh in another way um, like we didn't have enough on <laughs> you know Marvel's still in the show. <laughs> you know we still had Lily but yeah we're, we're just a really good team and we um and, and we're always trying trying to come up with new ways to be resourceful within our industry which I think you have to yeah. you have to it sounds like the pair of you were a force to be reckoned with I mean <laughs> um David's here that was a film that you made back yes. in 2018 which right. again got got some traction, didn't it? It really did, yeah. I mean, it was a quirky, it was a quirky little film, um, kind of a, 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 it was a horror film, which we never ever thought it was quite, it was quite warped, really. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't what we set out to do, but it just kind of happened. And um, Mark was doing Phantom at the time, and uh, his, the person he was playing opposite. Um, said you know if you're going to do any more films can you keep me in mind so we wrote this film around mark and and sean who he was playing opposite to to put just to perform for something to kind of like for show real purposes or stuff like that but it ends up being a really quirky little niche culty type film and we put it in for some of the festivals and they went crazy for it i think we we picked up about 18 awards for it in the end um in the genre um it was all shot on an ipad um, so we so we 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 could put it in for iPad specific film festivals, um, and then we kind of come through the other side and was like, wow, what happened there? You know, we had this little short horror film which has done really well, um, and then so then we decided to start writing something else because then people started to contact us saying, um, you know, if you do something else, let us know. We'd really like to be involved. You know, 
we had a friend of Mark's that was um, was training uh, makeup artists, and she said, "Look, I, I need to get some stuff on my showreel." So we, it kind of was it was kind of supply on demand. We, we, people were contacting us saying, I, I want to do something. I want to get some stuff on my showreel or I want to just be, be in front of a camera practicing my skills. So we, before we knew it, we were like, you know, hitting the pen, pen to paper. And, and then we created blood means nothing, mm-hmm. which we managed to use loads of our lovely, lovely performing friends in um, people that mainly would have done theater. That's maybe wouldn't have got a look in, in the film and, and TV world. Um, and it was, it's been brilliant for them because they've all managed to go off and do, you know, it's that, it ends Amazing. up being a great showreel for them. Plus we picked up some awards. So it's like a ripple effect, isn't it then that yeah. extends out? It really is. Yeah, it really is. And I know that you've got my week with Maisie, which is on hold at the moment. It is. Yeah. Cause of COVID we had to, we had to put it on hold. Um, our leading lady, um, Linda Barron, um, is of an age so obviously she would have to shield so we uh, we wrote it for Linda so um, and also she was one of the producers so we thought we knew what it was better for us to just put that on hold and we we will do it the, the screenplay picked up so many lovely gongs at various festivals um, it, it needs to be made but we, we've just got to find the right time for it it just the elements were against us so we was like you know what let's not do a half-baked effort on this let's wait until it's kind of ready to go and Don, do you and Mark sit down together and write when you're creating these films? You know, does it all come quite organically? Yeah, some, Mark's, I think, would, I would say Mark is the bulk of the writing. Um, he, his brain goes to places where none of us can imagine. But I've been, I've been um, named the, the Queen of Twists. Um, I always, I always make, I always give the idea for the twist in the film. Um, every film needs a little bit of a, a, a chink in it, and uh, for some reason that seems to be my my calling. <laughs> so when the when the script's kind of basically written, we will go through it together, and then we'll see where we can kind of make it shorter, or you know, s- uh, show less, say, uh, sorry, show more, say less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So and and it's just been. Uh, it's just been a brilliant partnership. We just seem to, it seems to work. <laughs> Who knew, right? I just think that's awesome. And it all came about because of work too. When, how you yeah. Met. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, had we not have met then on that cold November day in Sheffield, <laughs> um, who knows, we might not have been here. Oh, and were you working on the same show when you met? Yeah, we were both, we were both in the ensemble, um, yeah, it was literally, our eyes met across a crowded room. Um, and it was, I didn't think it existed, but it was literally love at first sight. <sighs> I, I, I thought that was all rubbish. And, you know, we're still here to tell the tale. <laughs> so, oh, amazing. I know, there's something in it. You know, these things can only happen during a show. You know, the sparks fly <laughs> and backstage and all that yeah. energy. Um, Dawn, you're going red, so I'm going to leave this. <laughs> I want to speak to you about um, films because you also managed to work your way into perform, you know, acting in the film industry. Um, Mamma Mia too. Hello. And also (laughs) the lovely Debbie Isitz Nativity. Um, Yes. A theatre tour of that. Theatre tour. You know, let's start with Mamma Mia too. Was that a dream? 
You know what? I mean, again, the mum and me are family similar to the Starlight. You know, we really look after each other. It's a real loyal bunch. And um, I got a call to say they were doing the, the second film and um, from the um, choreographer's assistant. And, and she was like, they need some more older dancers for the film. And I, I was like, oh, that'd be lovely. That'd be a you know, nice little job. I'd done Beauty and the Beast for the same choreographer um, the year or two before. So I, I knew the choreographer. Um, the lovely Anthony Van Last, who actually taught me as a kid, which is so, you know, it's like, it's like history coming, like literally coming around. Oh, round. so cool. Yeah. And, and, and his assistant, Nicola, I knew from Starlight Days. So it was, it was just, it was so lovely to be able to work with them again. And I, I did a, a small bit on Beauty and the Beast. And then, yeah, when Mama Mia come up, there's like, need some older dancers. Will you come in and audition? I was like, yeah, I will happily come out of performing retirement to come and do that. Uh, and lo and behold, then got the job and then ended up being in Croatia for two and a half weeks, <sighs> filming on a boat in the middle of the ocean, in the most beautiful surroundings, um, singing ABBA songs. I mean, what is not to love <laughs> about that? I mean, it wasn't work. It was just, it was, obviously we worked, we worked really, really hard. Um, but but it was, a, it was a jolly, you know, we were all dancers of, of an age not not everybody but you know there was a good um good chunk of us that were old older turns shall we shall we say um and we just had the best time i mean we were sw swimming in the ocean before we went to the studio in the morning and um it was wonderful and then we came back to london and it was october november time so then we were all in the same kind of scantily like cheesecloth skirts and stuff and filming in pinewood <laughs> so um yeah, it, honestly, if, if I would do it all again in a heartbeat, if I could uh, replicate that moment in time, I would do it all again in a heartbeat. It was wonderful. It sounds dreamlike. I can just picture the sea and the sun. Oh, oh. It was exquisite. It really, really was. And the people of Croatia were so accommodating and so lovely. And, you know, because there was a lot of us suddenly thrust upon the island, you know, film crews and, and cameras and lighting and big massive rigs and helicopters and, you know, and they were just brilliant. They, it was, it was a dream. Sounds it. And what was it like, Dawn, being in a Disney film? Because, <laughs> you know, I hear about, you know, Disney's a massive vehicle. So, yeah. you know, Beauty and the Beast, which has been a huge success. Yeah. Um, what was that like? That was a lovely, I only did a couple of days on that, but um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a really funny little, funny little job actually. Um, so I went along to, I went for my costume fittings and stuff and then I got to set and um, Luke Evans, the fabulous Luke Evans, mm -hmm. um, who's just absolute joy. I worked with him on his first job in theatre. Um, we were both in the show La Cava, which I kind of mentioned briefly earlier. Um, and of course I gets on set and I'm there with many others. I mean, there was, I think on set that day, it was like the warmest day in August. It was like, like record heat. We were outdoors. I mean, it was, it was beautiful, but very hot. We were in lots of petticoats and corsets and, um, and in this, you know, this made the made up French village, which they'd made in Pinewood Studios. It was just, I mean, it was beautiful. And across the, across all these hundreds of people, I heard someone go, Dawn Buckland <laughs> and I looked and it was Luke Evans and uh and he'd remembered me from those years back and um, we so it was really nice to like reconnect with him in his in all his stardom he had 
found me among this massive crowd of people um and yeah so we just we we had a brilliant couple of days filming the first massive opening scene the bell number mm-hmm. um it was just so nice to reconnect with luke and uh, yeah so it was brilliant and again another pinch me pinch me job and that opening scene is glorious it's full of so much color like you say loads and loads of people there's a lot going on the way the camera yeah. moves it's a fabulous you know kind of ensemble piece yeah incredible um, and dawn so nativity mm. you were in the west end cast for that and also the touring um cast too that's um, right i saw you it came to southampton autumn 2019 that's right i've heard a lot about this of the film and and the the show and Everyone I speak to says it was just a glorious time. Was that your experience too? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was. I wanted to audition for the show because um, I really wanted to work with Debbie, um, Debbie Isaac, who created the brilliant films and the brilliant um, theatre production. Um, and I went along, and and she didn't disappoint. the The auditions were absolutely petrifying um, because it was all like, okay, off you go perform it and like we were we were all there performing pretty much the whole show in the audition process but it was like it was scary and brilliant and fun and petrifying all encapsulated in one one workshop um for for Debbie to get a grasp of who she wanted to book for the show so I I felt so fortunate that she you know found me in that in that moment um and yeah and then I went on to do so we started it uh, started the tour started it in Wolverhampton and we did about six I think six or seven venues and then it went into um the Hammersmith Apollo over, right over the Christmas period um again yeah just the kids are brilliant it's about Christmas so again like the glitter bo- glitter boots in Starla- in, uh, in Mamma Mia you know it was the equivalent you know it was like having all the glitter all the Christmas we went into rehearsals on the 30th of September and the, the rehearsal studio had Christmas trees and tinsel and you're like we're starting Christmas really early but it was just brilliant and then Debbie's process you know she allows you to get creative on it she allows you to um to to play and and ultimately that's what we are we're players and we, we want to tell a story in the truest form so to to get to work in that way with Debbie was again every day is a school day you know and now at the ripe old age of 48 I still feel like I want to learn and I want to experience new ways of working so and and you know she was one of them she I'll never forget that experience she is a ball of energy like (laughs) yourself Dawn and just my respect for her and her work is 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 huge what was it like taking it on tour? Because I'm guessing that that was your first touring experience for a while. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I'd done bits and pieces away because I was on tour with Fame for a bit. Um, but yeah, it was my first tour for a while. And But no, it was it was great. Um, I think we were all so engrossed in, in the work and um, Mark was at home. So I knew that Lily was taken care of. So I didn't have to glance my... I didn't have to have my mum brain on quite so often. Um, and most of the tour dates I managed to get home at, um, you know, on a Saturday night after the show, I'd drive from wherever and managed to have Sunday and most of Monday with, with my family. Um, so it actually worked out really well for us. Um, and, and, and it was, it was such a nice show to be part of that you, 
you kind of for, you know you forgot all your worries and you know and just went and had a nice time you know and that's ultimately what the show is it's just a really nice time amazing and have an extra couple of months of christmas and an extra couple of months of christmas <laughs> to boot. do you and mark always try to see each other on opening night you know go and watch the other one yeah we do if you know work permitting um you know if one of us is away obviously we can't but yeah we we see each other in everything everything that we do um we're we're each other's biggest critics and also biggest you know biggest fans um you know mark bless him mama mia he saw he saw the show four times because i i wanted him to see me in my normal role and um and i wanted him to see me in all my cover my cover roles so god love him him and lily got dragged along (laughs) to see the show four times um so yeah so the apart from Lily not being happy about Donna me being Donna and snogging other men she wasn't she wasn't happy about that but apart from that she um yeah imagine going into school saying yeah I saw my mum on stage snogging three men I'm sure they would have been thrilled about it because she was at that age at the time but um yeah (laughs) they they we are each other's biggest fans and we and we try and see as much of each other's work as we can in fact we see everything we see everything so how has this year been for you since the pandemic kicked in has this scuppered work for you cancelled projects you know we spoke about clever little films uk but were there other things that you were wanting to do that haven't been able to happen? Yeah, we've had a we've had a bumpy couple of years actually because um, the year year before Mark um, was diagnosed with cancer, <laughs> and this is a little oh. bit of a harsh one. Um, he had melanoma um, on his nose, and it was it started off as a very small kind of freckle which grew pretty quick. Um, and Mark, not one to sit on anything, he went and um, and said, look, I've got this mole, it's growing, you know, is there anything I should get looked at? And they said, well, look, let's go and take a little biopsy. He was in Phantom of the Opera at the time. Um, they took a biopsy and they said, look, it, it is melanoma, it is skin cancer. Um, so he had to then go in and have several surgeries um, to remove it. Um, by the time they'd kind of finished and got to virgin skin as such, uh, fresh skin, um, they literally had to take away most of his skin off his nose, um, which then leads you on to a surgery called a forehead flap replacement, which sounds very dramatic, where they take the, the skin from your forehead and basically make you a new nose from, um, from your forehead skin um so it was a really it was a really tough year so I was being Florence Nightingale for most of the year not able to take work um um so so that I could be at home for Mark and for Lily and be the support network and I mean thankfully they got it all he's all clear and and you know it's all all rosy but you know he's been left with scarring and stuff which actually I think is quite dashing um and and we've and we are we keep very good humor about stuff. So, you know, we, even though it sounds very traumatic and very, um, very hard thing to deal with, we kept a lot of humor and, and he's through the other side and, and doing, doing great. So then of course, when we got to 2020, we thought this is it. This is our year. We've, that's all past us. Mark's clear. We've got a great year ahead. Oh yeah. Let's have a pandemic. So, um, so yes, it's been a very tough couple of years. Um, so during, during, um, lockdown, we basically went, you know what, we had such a tough year last year. 
So we just kind of pretended to be retired. So we bought, we bought paddle boards and we, we went out running. Um, Lily was at home, so that we had some homeschooling and stuff to do. We took the dog on more walks than he probably wanted to go on. Um, and I think just like the rest of the country, just tried to play our, play our part really and, and, and do our bit to, um, to keep everybody safe. And, um, but yeah, but so in a weird way, we actually kind of really enjoyed lockdown because it gave us the time together, which we'd not necessarily would have had. Um, unfortunately, it meant that Mark lost his job at Phantom, which was sad um due due to his um due to his cancer and the time it was going to take to recover um so we were kind of like well you know what back to the fundamentals of family family first and we just look after each other and look after our health and our mental well-being and um so yeah so creatively we've kind of not put things on pause but but we've kind of kicked back and just gone you know what we don't have to be recording a song every half an hour to prove we're still here we're here we're we're so we're on self-preserve really I suppose but you know what now it looks like things are starting to come come back up you know back up and running Mark was doing um Back to the Future in Manchester when when they got the nod about um the the lockdown so he literally went up they said kind of you know stand by your phones we're going to let you know whether we're performing or not tonight and he went up and he got all his stuff and they said okay no we're we're done so yeah so it's it stopped mark more than more than actually me really um because i didn't have anything anything planned um so yeah because mark was going to be away with with um back to the future so i kind of had my diary pretty clear mm. um but you know what we haven't sat on our laurels i've been doing some delivering for a local florist keep my keep myself um keep myself busy um and I'm, I'm off in a couple of weeks to do some work for um for butlins yes. so yeah so because i do some choreography for them and direct some of their shows and put some stuff in and it's a brilliant company and i i love working for them so they've drafted me in to come up in four weeks time to put on one of their christmas productions socially distanced um but yeah so like to get my creative i started to get creative juices flowing again and and uh get out there and do some what we're supposed to be doing you know absolutely dawn i'm so sorry to to hear what you went through last year with mark um i'm 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 so sorry but i'm so pleased that his health is back on form again yeah Um, and it sounds like you are one strong resilient family unit and between the two of you you are a quadruple threat (laughs) every base ticked there so do you ever take time just to pause and relax and do nothing it sounds like your creative juices are always flowing in some way or another so how do you relax yeah basically running and and paddleboarding which is our kind of newfound love really um but yeah we relax we're we're kicked back and get the popcorn out and watch a film all together and we, you know we take long walks with our dog we we do some hiking and stuff so and and a lot of the time actually that's when we get some of our best kind of inspiration really is by when we're out hiking in the middle of um, Kent countryside um you know we Mark would say oh I've got a really good idea for a film and I go okay here we go <laughs> um with a slight eye roll but kind of loving it in the same in the same token um so yeah so I think we just it's it's in us to do it 
um you know and 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 we'll be resilient when we have to you know we'll we'll um you know we're we're muckers in you've got to get on with it and i think that's again that's from my parents you know they my mum works for the nhs my dad was a a motor mechanic by trade they put in the extra hours if if one of us wanted to go and do something as me and my sister so they're my heroes my mum and dad because i think they they've given me the resilience and the and the um, backbone to kind of just keep going keep striving you know um things things are bad but you can you still have a chance to survive and and grow within your constraints and your restrictions of that time um so yeah it's all about moving forward and you know what we love life i think that's that's mainly it mark and i love our life whether it's doing shoe shining in selfridges for you know or promotion work or uh, delivering flowers for the local florists you know we do the best us in whatever we're doing and i and we just we just transfer it into whatever we're doing at the time I can sense that, not just what you're telling me, but I, I kind of feel it. I feel your positivity and, mm. and I thank you for that. Um, and so Dawn, who then would you say has been your biggest inspiration so far? Oh, goodness. I mean, I think, you, again, you pick up inspirations all along the way. Um, but I think my, my biggest inspiration is Lily, um, my daughter. The way, the way she looks at the world, how kind she is um the way the way she manages stuff in in her in her head i i just i'm in awe of her she always inspires me to be a better me um sounds really cliche but she she really does um and i'm so thankful i'm so grateful for her um i say with regards to work you take inspirations from so many different different angles and different things and people along the way that it's kind of hard to pinpoint but i think in life it would definitely be my daughter followed really closely by my mum and dad who are again just my biggest uh, they're, they're my heroes they're wonderful that was actor choreographer producer director and one half of clever little films uk dawn buckland don't forget to subscribe to future episodes from your preferred podcast provider and follow me on twitter at shireen jordan and on instagram at shireen r jordan